On the block, on demand. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. I may have some news for you in a moment. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Continue standing by. Okay, not 10. 25-footer, yes! Off the glass and in! An assassin, Stone Cold! Somebody in Vegas told him they were going to win by 20! The Bills make me want to... Taylor, going to take his shot, throwing in zone, he's got weapons, touchdown! This is On The Block. Here is your host, Brent Axe. Ah! The! Air! Here on ESPN Radio. 97.7. 100.1. ESPN Radio, Utica Rope. You're home for Giants football. As uh, we are here on ESPN Radio Syracuse as well. Very interesting news of those New York football Giants. As uh, Seth, the Giant fan, just told you in the update. He tried to be professional. He tried to just give you the facts. But I don't think it worked. It was a valiant try, though, Seth. 437-7644. That's the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. We've got one guest joining us later on in the program. Always love to catch up with the great Donna Detota, Syracuse.com. On the beat, the Orange with a big win over Maryland last night. Make no mistake about it, folks. It is only November the 28th. There is a heck of a lot of basketball to be played. NCAA tournament berths are not usually decided with the crossover between thanksgiving and christmas decor it's more when you're taking down valentine's day stuff and putting up saint patrick's day stuff on the walls that being said syracuse needs wins with the christmas decorations up because that is what kept them out of the tournament last year they got a big one last night we will discuss that certainly with donna and so much more on the Syracuse basketball front. Top five Tuesday. We got a voice guy for it and everything. Number one. I rank my top five teams in the National Football League and college football with conference championship games to come. Playoff rankings announced again tonight. We'll get into that. Regrets. I got a few. What about the Syracuse football team? What are the big regrets from the 2017 season? We'll go over that. Hot takes to come. You know, the, the New York Yankees. Uh, <laughs> hey, guys, you, you kind of need a manager. <laughs> Might want to get on that. We will discuss later in the show. Mention Syracuse and Maryland. But, but we have to start. I am happy about this. I'm sorry to be so irrationally happy about this. But we now have a contest for the most ridiculous NFL quarterback benching of the 2017 season. Young Nathan Peterman comes in, throws five interceptions. So Geno Smith's got quite the legacy to live up to there. But the New York football giants have benched Eli Manning. And Geno, your boy, Geno Smith, is going to start against the Oakland Raiders this week. What an incredible move. From the standpoint of history, 210 consecutive starts for Eli Manning. That is the second longest streak in the history of the NFL. Now, Brett Favre's got that record, and that record's not going to be touched. It's 297. 
That being said, Eli Manning, as you heard Seth tell you, has started every Giants game since November 21st, 2004. So here it is November 28th, 2017. 13 years and a week since he took over, and he's out for Geno Smith. This is an interesting move by the Giants because I think most Giant fans would agree that Eli Manning's not really the problem. When you have an offensive line that has started eight different combinations this season, second only to the Green Bay Packers, who have put nine out there without Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, and even then, Brett Hundley looked pretty good on Sunday Night Football. When you have an injury list that has 19 players on it, when Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Marshall, Dwayne Harris, and Sterling Shepard have all missed time or are out for the year with injuries, leaving Eli Manning to throw to Roger Lewis Jr., Tavares King, Travis Rudolph, a rookie tight end. You have an offensive line, as we mentioned, that has had all the transition it has had. This is not Eli Manning's problem. I don't care who you are. You can't have that much turnstile in the NFL and expect Eli to be productive and go out there and just kind of make up for it, especially where he's at. But Eli Manning is older. Eli Manning has started 210 consecutive games, and eventually you're going to have to have the uncomfortable conversation about benching Eli Manning. Here's what's interesting about this whole thing. though. There's actually two things. One is they gave Eli Manning the option to start to at least keep his consecutive game streak intact. And he said no, which, by the way, he should say no. Eli, who will turn 37 years old on January 3rd, uh, January 3rd pardon me, said this about being given the option to start to at least keep the streak alive. Coach McAdoo's quote now. Coach McAdoo told me I could continue to start while Geno and Davis, Davis Webb, we'll get to it in a moment, are given an opportunity to play. My feeling is that if you're going to play the other guys, play them. Starting just to keep the streak going and knowing you won't finish the game and have a chance to win is pointless to me and it tarnishes the streak. Like I always have, I'll be ready to play. If and when I'm needed, I will help Geno and Davis prepare to play as well as they possibly can. The Giants are 2-9 and nine and have 19 players on injured reserve. So good for Eli. Like, most Giant fans, most people would reasonably look at that and say, while most would look at it as selfish, that's a sign of respect for what Eli has done. Winning the Super Bowls, the playoff appearances, the consecutive game streak, he holds almost every passing record that the Giants have of note, that's, you have to do that, right? Even though you're moving on and you're clearly, tanking's a strong word, but as Seth said before we went on the air, it feels like the Giants have turned into the Jets here. This has just been a nightmare of a season. So, here's my question. Why are you starting Geno Smith? Just go to the kid. Just get Davis Webb in there. Is this the kind of you know, <laughs> I mean, Gino, you are being used as a sacrificial lamb here because, you know, as it says here, I'm reading right off the Giants' website, rookie Davis Webb will also play, if not this week, 
then sometime before the end of the season, said Ben McAdoo, Gino will start this week over the last five games. We'll take a look at Gino, and we'll also give Davis an opportunity. You'll take a look at Gino? We've done that. We've been there and done that, Ben. What do you have to take a look at? You know what Geno Smith is. The guy you need to take a look at is the rookie. Now, again, this is what the Bills did, and it didn't go well. Now, Davis Webb was not a fifth-round draft pick. That being said, maybe the Giants saw what the Bills did and said, well, at least we got Geno, who can kind of (laughs) just absorb the blow, if you will. It's like you watch Braveheart, and there's always those frontline guys that go out there. They're the first to die, right? And then we'll slip in Davis Webb to see what he can do. We'll look at Geno. I mean, we've seen Geno Smith. We know Geno Smith. There's not much more to analyze there. He he is what he is, to use an expression used often. So this is very interesting, and I'm sure Giant fans are just loving this news. And you are not used to this. This is a proud franchise, has won Super Bowls, playoff appearances, including last season. And while you know that the reason this team stinks this year is injury, and that sounds like such a bad excuse, but I'm sorry, 19 players on injured reserve, the wide receivers I just went through, all the offensive line issues, you just got to come to a point where you say, our season was wrecked due to injury. Yet the collective feeling is fire everybody. Move on. Jerry Reese, done. Ben McAdoo, done. Remember, the owners came out a couple weeks ago. We're not making any moves during the season in terms of coaching. So we'll see if this does anything. But if you give Eli Manning the names that I just gave you, what is Geno Smith going to do, let alone the rookie Davis Webb? I think you'd almost rather see Davis Webb out there. But how can you judge a rookie when you're giving him, you know, the island of misfit toys to go out there and play with. So big news in the National Football League. Giant fans, phones are open for you to vent. 437-7644, agree, disagree, vent, whatever the case may be. Sure, Giant fans have opinions on that, so we're open there. Let me uh, get in some thoughts on Syracuse basketball, though. And we'll talk to Donna Totoa later in the show. Look, here's the thing with this team. I know it's early, and there's a lot of basketball to be played. They are going to hit their ups and downs. They're going to hit some adversity. There's going to be shows like this where we get on the day after games, and it's going to, you know, we're going to sound like Giant fans today, frankly, right? But here's something that I hope continues throughout the year, that I think will continue throughout the year, and that is this. This team loves to get dirty. This team embraces rebounding. This team embraces defense. This team, let me say this as clear as I can, and I hope I continue to say this over the next few months, no matter what their postseason fate is. This team gets it. What I mean by that is they understand that defense leads to plays the other way, that rebounding is certainly a skill, and you can study rebounding and shot angles and where to be on the floor and and positioning so you're in a high-percentage place to grab a rebound, but half of rebounding is just good old-fashioned sharpen-the-elbows want to. As O'Shea Brissett said in the locker room last night, I have the mentality every game, attack, attack, attack. Here's what Jim Beheim said about his team on the offensive rebounding end specifically. They're rebounders. That's what they do. They're good rebounders. We have to get something on the offensive boards. We're getting penetration and 
when that happens, there should be opportunities there. There was a few that we were close to tonight that we just didn't get. But, uh, you know, we got 19 offensive rebounds. That's pretty good. That's pretty darn good against Maryland. Okay, Toledo, Iona, Oakland. Good. That's great. That's Maryland. That team had some players, was certainly the biggest team that Syracuse has played. How about your boy Fernando? That kid could be a breakout freshman in college basketball this year. And a little more on O'Shea Brissett. Here's Beheim on him and, and Pascal and Barama and, and the bigs. So I thought O'Shea was really good. He was active. He just couldn't make anything. You know, he made a lot of layups. That's what he got. He was 0 for 13 from outside the layup lane. But uh, I thought uh, Merrick was good. You know, I thought Barama and Pascal scored. They, they've got to rebound better, defend better. But, uh, uh, again, they're a good team and uh, a very good win. He's been a much better rebounder than we ever anticipated. He really has really gone and got the ball. He worked hard this summer. He got stronger. Um, he's a very good shooter. He's just not making shots. You know, he just hasn't made them. Uh, I mean, he had a really good game. If he makes some shots, he has, you know, 25 points easy. He can make that shot, um, but he's a tremendous rebounder, really much better than we had anticipated. So that last clip is Beheim on O'Shea Brissett. And, yeah, the shooting's an issue. He was 0 for 13 outside of around the basket. But what he makes up for, and those are good shots, too. It's not like he was taking junk shots. He had five or six really good shots that just didn't fall. He easily could have had 25 points in that game last night. So, look, we can really get into the specifics of this and the whys of this, and, and we will do that with Donna later in the show and with you, certainly, at 437 7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. But it is easy to root for this team because they play their ass off. They hustle on defense. And look, they're better on defense. You have two players at the top of the zone that are now 6'6 in Tyus Battle and 6'5 in Frank Howard. And Frank Howard, who began his collective downfall last year in these important non conference games. I'm going to go over this a little later in the show, but I don't know if you saw these quotes. I put it in my recap today. What he said in the locker room, and, and we'll talk to Don about this later. He knows. He listens. He heard it. He heard what people were saying about him when he got benched last year. I don't know who that human being is in Frank Howard's body right now, but good for him if that's Frank Howard. Because the transformation he has made is night and day. It is incredible. That is a player who, once again, played all 40 minutes, who looked at... Tyus Battle still had 18 points with a bad back. 50%, 60% Tyus Battle has nine points in the last four minutes and kind of, he was like Mariano Rivera. He saved his best for last when it mattered. But Frank Howard, you could just tell from the tip right to the end, said, I got this. Now he's the point guard. He's got to run the show. But he took on more of the the heavy lifting that Tyus Battle usually gets. And he almost had a triple-double, but not in the traditional sense. Not points, rebounds, and assists. Points, assists, and steals. Seven steals, which you have to do. Maryland is a team that has turned the ball over a lot, and Syracuse made sure that that continued last night. But it was by their effort, by their doing. Not to mention, folks, it's November 28th. And that was just a really good college basketball game. Back and forth, close all the way. What was it? I'll pull up the box score while we're yakking about it here. But it was like 
20 ties and 18 lead changes, something nutty like that. I might be off a little bit, but it, it was a back-and-forth basketball game, which to get in November is spectacular, to get at this point of the season. And you got Kansas on Saturday, and I don't know if it's going to be that competitive a game, but to know they're playing Kansas, fouled by UConn, we got a lot of meat to chew on here. This is good before you get into conference play. Let's see here. Brent's looking at the box score. Uh, yeah, so the lead changed 20 times last night, and there were 17 ties. That shows you what kind of game it was. So let's get to a break. We'll listen in on a few more things Jim Beheim said. Giant fans, Eli Manning's benched. Geno Smith's your boy with Davis Webb getting time at some point. We don't know when, but there's only a few more games to go. So at some point, he's going to get the reins here. So the Giants, as if they had to make this official, have packed it in for 2017 and are looking, you can't say to the future when Geno Smith's your boy, but they're looking somewhere else. So good mix of things to discuss there. Hot takes on the way. We'll hear from Donna DeToda coming up. We've got some Syracuse football regrets to go over. We've got some top fives to do. A lot to do today. We'd love to hear from you on all of it. And we'll take a break and come back and do it here on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Then it is, voice man. It is brought to you by Burdick Toyota. Get it with that fancy open. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for Hot Takes on the Block. So we've been kind of coming back to this, if you're tuning in and out and have not heard the news. Eli Manning's been benched. He is no longer the starting quarterback of the New York Giants, though he was given the option to start, continue his consecutive game streak, which is at 210 games. He declined. Geno Smith will start. Davis Webb will eventually play. That's the move from the Giants. Now, you've got to think, what's next for Eli? No matter how many games he has left in a Giants uniform, which if Geno comes out and does Geno Smith things and just kind of keeps the Giants' head above water, then they go to Davis Webb to see what he's got. Which, again, how are you seeing what Davis Webb is capable of? I I know what Geno Smith is capable of. How are you seeing what Davis Webb is capable of by giving him a ragtag team that's had eight different offensive line combinations and no receivers to throw to? You learn nothing about your young quarterback that way. I mean, Nathan Peterman was given at least somewhat of a starting football team. He lost Calvin Benjamin on the first play and didn't get a true representation of it, but a much better team than Eli Manning and Geno Smith and Davis Webb had. Things, what's that old expression, things don't end well unless they wouldn't end, right? You can't always make a clean break here, but the more I look at this, the more I'm like, Eli does not deserve this. I mean, what are the Giants doing here? When you've got Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese on borrowed time and Ben Reese to say with a straight face, we need to see what Geno Smith has. You know what Geno Smith has. That's why you signed him as a backup. By the way, 
Anybody reminiscent? You know, what's Ryan Nassib thinking right now? What is Ryan Nassib thinking right now? Sat behind Eli all those years, just wanted the opportunity, and then the Giants got rid of him. That's the Davis Webb show. I mean, look, if Nassib was going to push for that job, we would have seen him stay on this roster, and they would have made an effort to keep him there. And Nassib went to the Saints, and it didn't pan out. But you got to be thinking, come on, man, if you're Ryan Nassib. I sat there for five years waiting for that guy, and he wouldn't get out of the way. And then you release me, and Davis Webb's going to get a shot. Well, that's life in the National Football League, right? So speaking of quarterbacks, Sam Darnold, USC darling, has denied a rumor that he would skip the draft if the Browns get the first pick, saying, quote, I didn't say anything about the Browns. I've never said anything bad about an NFL team. They know I would never say anything. Now, Darnold would be one of the top quarterbacks available in the upcoming draft and has been widely projected as a high first-round pick. He's a redshirt sophomore, 3,462 yards, 24 touchdowns, 12 picks for USC, who's 10-2. They're going to play Stanford in the Pac-12 championship game on Friday, 6-4, rated as the fifth-best overall prospect by Mel Kuyper Jr. earlier this month. Now, if that is a shred True, and I would understand why Sam Darnold would say this. It's not unprecedented. Eli Manning is an example of this. He did not want to go to San Diego. John Elway did not want to go to the Baltimore Colts. Ended up with the New York Yankees organization, of all things, for a few years. It is rare, but not unprecedented. Here's the problem with Sam Darnold, if in fact it was true. Let's add, And I'm not being facetious here. I'm, I'm, this is a legit question. What are the chances that the Cleveland Browns will be back there in 2019? Let's say Sam Darnold wants to dodge the Browns because they he knows they're going to take him, even though weird things happen. You know, look at the the trade that the Rams and Titans made, and Jared Goff is you know I mean, trades happen. You can't just slot a guy in, but if the Browns lock in the first pick and they decide he's their guy, and Sam Darnold says, "Nah, I think I'm good." in the 2018 draft. Well, they're right back there in 2019. What's Cleveland going to do in 2018 that they won't have a top pick again in 2019? That is a grease fire of an organization. So Sam Darnold's kind of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. I think he's the one that separates, by the way. He comes out, it's a stocked quarterback draft. I think he would be the one, the cream that rises to the top as the top pick. So... That's hot. NFL's great, but if you go to a Dune franchise that will never surround you with what you need to win, I hope you get a nice, you know, and rookie contracts are set. It's not like the days of Sam Bradford who got a $50 million signing bonus before he stepped on an NFL football. That's done. It's all measured and scaled, and it's that second contract and whatever endorsements you can get. And the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns isn't doing a lot of commercials. That is an interesting choice he's got to make there because Cleveland's going to be looming no matter what. So the New York Yankees need a manager, and they don't have one yet. And apparently Carlos Beltran was the latest player to, or, yeah, player to interview for the Yankees manager position, according to ESPN Deportes. Carlos Beltran is interested in inter- interviewing for the job. Brian Cashman considers Beltran a friend and has mentioned in the past 
that two Yankee managers, Joe Girardi and Joe Torre, basically went from playing to managing. Now, they also interviewed Aaron Boone, who would fit that description. They've interviewed Rom Thompson, former Indians and Man- uh, Mariners manager Eric Wedge, Giants bench coach Hensley Mullins, Dodgers third base coach Chris Woodard, Aaron Boone that I mentioned. I really think that's where Cashman's going to go, even though they've done it before. The basically right from player to managing route. I just get this feeling that the Yankees are not going to go traditional here. They're not going to go, you know, promote the bench coach, promote the third base coach, promote the staunch guy, that the name that you know that's been around baseball forever. Think of why they got rid of Joe Torre. They got rid of Joe Torre because his message got old. He did not connect with players, right? That was the whole thing. They didn't like how he represented himself. He lost the clubhouse in a way, even though they were a game away from the World Series. They didn't like his old school thinking. So you bring in the fresh voice. You bring in somebody who can connect with the players that was just in a major league clubhouse not too long ago. I mean, Carlos Beltran would be as as fresh out of the box as you can get. But Aaron Boone has been around the game. He can relate. He's respected there. I think they're going more. I'm going to say this. I think the next manager of the New York Yankees will be a first-time baseball manager. A name you know, a respected name that knows the game but it'll be his first gig as a manager. That's hot. And when they name that manager, like in February, the day before spring training, we'll let you know who it is. Go back to football here. We went over the travesty of the Greg Schiano situation yesterday. And again, if Tennessee fans don't want Greg Schiano as their head football coach, I don't blame you. They're not lining up around the block to get Greg Schiano at all these other schools that have openings. But do not drag the man's name down with the Penn State thing when it is as flimsy as it gets his connection to the Penn State thing. That's the problem I had with it. And Clay Travis and a number of people are just pounding their chest saying, oh, the national media is defending Greg Schiano. Well, some are. And they're making themselves look foolish because Greg Schiano is not the be-all, end-all. You can do better than Greg Schiano. It was the way... It was falsely presented as, we are offended by this. No, you just didn't want him as your coach, which, again, is fine. Tennessee fans using social media, rising up, telling Tennessee what they want. We are the paying customer. We are the fans. Here's our voice. Hear us roar, right? I'm fine with that. I am totally fine with that. I just didn't like the way it went down with the Penn State thing. Now, Tennessee, guess who they've talked to? According to multiple reports and multiple sources telling ESPN's Chris Lowe, and I will say this, Chris Lowe knows college football. He knows the SEC. He is well-connected. Mike Gundy used to be a man, used to be 40. Now he's a man and he's 50 and he has a glorious mullet. Mike Gundy has had conversations with Tennessee representatives. Their interest in Gundy is serious He is taking a day to think about it, and according to Lowe and other reports, Peyton Manning were amongst those who reached out to Mike Gundy for that job. Now, Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State, is an interesting situation. I don't think Mike Gundy's ever going to do better at Oklahoma State than what he does now, and it's pretty darn good. Oklahoma State is a team... Every year is 8-3, and 9-2, and two, contending in the Big 12. They've got T. Boone Pickens, right? They got a sugar daddy, like Oregon's got Phil Knight. 
T. Boone Pickens has given Oklahoma State anything and everything they need. He's got some of the best facilities in the country, recruits well, NFL players year in and year out. They just haven't quite cracked that playoff team, top 10 team consistently realm. They're really good every year. I would, If I'm a Syracuse fan, I would take what Oklahoma State has in a heartbeat. But they haven't quite made it to that national championship contender level. At least Oregon had a few years there with Chip Kelly where they were literally in the title game and had a shot. So if I'm Mike Gundy, do I want to continue that or do I want to go into the meat grinder of the SEC with that fan base is as irrational as it gets. Tennessee football is completely off the radar screen to where they have been. And I think that's the intrigue of that job. Because if you're the guy, I mean, you've accomplished everything you're going to at Oklahoma State. If you come in and you put Tennessee back on top in the hardest conference in college football and just make them, just do what Oklahoma State is doing, they will build a statue for you. They will write nice things about you on that rock that they have there. So if I'm Mike Gundy, I'm taking that job. Not to mention, I'm sure there's a few dollars more he can get there, even with T. Boone Pickens. Money That's hot. At Oklahoma State. Speaking of money, Darrell Revis, as you know, signed with the Kansas City Chiefs last week. Now, this will not happen given Kansas City's play as of late. And I got to give credit. I, when I do Top 5 Tuesday, I had Kansas City ranked very high for most of the season until, of course, their recent free flow. And we had a Kansas City Chiefs fan who called three times in a row when I did it and warned me, said, they will not keep this up. Alex Smith is Alex Smith. Andy Reid is Andy Reid. And he was right. But, you know, again, those rankings are done at the time. It's a thermometer. So I don't think Kansas City is going to win the Super Bowl. If they do, Darrell Revis will pocket $13.5 million. So when he signed with Kansas City last week, he had a two-year deal that includes the opportunity to make that money in 2018, he will earn 352000 plus for 2017, which is the sum of his weekly, it feels like math class here, the sum of his weekly base salaries and includes a split in the event that he is placed on injured reserve, okay? His deal in 2018, though, is a unique structure that benefits both teams. He has a $1.15 million base salary can earn a weekly roster bonus of 550000 for each game he's on the 53-man roster, injured reserve, or physically unable to perform list. If he plays with the Chiefs all of next season, that's $8.8 million in incentive bonuses. He has a chance to earn $3.5 million in roster bonuses next year, tied to their postseason success. $1.75 million if he plays more than 50% of the snaps in the AFC Championship game, but only if the Chiefs win. That climbs to $3.5 million if he plays more than 50% of the snaps and the Chiefs win Super Bowl 52 on February 4th. So whenever you hear these deals, NFL deals with incentives, that's what it is. It's incredible the money in the National Football League that you think is out there but really isn't that you actually have to go out there and earn versus NBA contracts, baseball contracts, those contracts are what they're... Remember the obscene money we were hearing in the NBA free agency? They get every dime of that money. Baseball, guaranteed contracts. When Gian- Giancarlo Stanton eventually gets traded here 
and signs a new deal and restructures everything, he gets every cent of that money. Football, not exactly. Now, Darrell Revis has done a really good job making money for himself over the years, but when you hear these deals, it's all ladder, incentive, and they're ridiculous. But, hey, if you can cash in, you're Darrell Revis, and you're like, of all the teams I could sign with, what's the percentage the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl? Probably lower, but the teams that are higher in that category won't sign them or don't need them. Pittsburgh, New England, teams of that nature. So, hey, why not? Works for both sides. And there's your NFL contract draft lesson for the day. That's hot. 437-7644. That's the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. We'll break. We will come back. We've got Donna DeToda coming up to talk some SU hoops. Looking forward to that. Eli Manning has been benched for Geno Smith. Yes, that's happening. And eventually Davis Webb. So I'm sure Giant fans are lathered up about that. Thank you. Bye-bye.